Okay, we're streaming. We should be streaming. We're streaming. I haven't gotten the ding yet. Ding, ding. Oh, I got a ding. Okay. I didn't get a ding. Why didn't I get a ding? I don't know. Oh, cool. This, this, the live stream t- just went on. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and there's, there's already people in the chat. Yeah, there was a bunch of people waiting. So thanks for waiting. And uh, welcome to the show. Our local chatters and our chatters around the world. Yes. Yes. It's people in the chat. Hello to our uh, chatters in India. Yes, our chatters in India. Yes. Yes. Uh, I'm a, uh, uh, yes. Namaste. Na- <laughs> <laughs> oh. Wait, is that right? I don't know. And to everybody being affected by Dorian right now, I'm, I'm, I hope you're all doing okay. Uh, yes. That thing is just a little nasty category one or five or three or whatever it is. Just I've never heard of a be, category one. I think it started at a five and then it was downgraded to a one. Hey, there was a lady that just walked through your room. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in my living room so that I could gather all my Atari stuff together. That's awesome. Even though, even though Nolan didn't work on any of this. <laughs> Although, I, I, you know, I, that's a question to ask sure. uh, when he comes on. Uh, you know, when they went and did a port of game... Like, did they bring the whole cabinet in, or did they just have like a, you know, a bench or something? You know, right? Did they have any? Like, what was the what was the deal with that? I wonder if he was even involved with the logistics of moving cabinets around. Oh God, I hope not. Yeah. Yeah. Did you did you have to move cabinets? I bet he didn't. <laughs> I bet he didn't. See that. No, uh, the answer, right. the answer would be no because he would have felt how heavy the Atari cabinets are. <laughs> Yeah. I'm like, oh, we got to lighten these things up. Hey, Ray, you guys, did you notice Randy's in the chat? Did he just like totally avoid scouts tonight to be here? Are you at scouts, Randy? He's probably watching on his phone. Oh, that's hilarious. Phone with his headphones there goes on. that lady again. Oh, my God. <laughs> is that a baby doll dress? This is going to be a good show. Wow. Uh, so, uh, chatters, we are uh, we're going to have Nolan Bushnell on tonight, obviously. Uh, he'll be here in a little bit. But for now... Um, it's the Adam, Brian, and Mark show. And so, uh, I'm going to excuse myself because I forgot to, you know, fill up my, my, my water glass and, uh, I'll be right back. But in the meantime, Brian, why don't you kick us off on what you've been working on? Uh, how's that sound? I'll finish up. Uh, you know, uh, we could do that. We've, uh, let's see, what was the latest project? It was getting everything back to the shop. Uh, yeah. Oh, God, that was painful. So, like, within the last, um, was it two weeks ago? Did we do right. the show after? No, we did it when we were moving stuff in. We are getting ready. Right, so, and I was, I was at Disney World um, suffering, so yeah. sorry. <laughs> yeah, so, um, <laughs> so, so basically, in the last two weeks, I moved 55 arcade games from the shop to the Hyatt Hotel, after fixing most of them and then having six or seven of them go down at the Hyatt and then moved 35 or 40 of those, I couldn't even count by the time we were done, out to um, out to Wisconsin. And then the rest of them uh, were moved back to the shop. And uh, from a repair standpoint, I don't know that I've done anything. I mean, we, we got so many games working. We got Exterminator working. We got Sinistar working. We got... Uh, War of the Worlds was working great, but I mean, we got we pounded out so many games that time that after we got them back, I just kind of took the last two weeks off as far as <laughs> wow. game repair goes. It's just been a lot of moving. But the exciting news is we're about to start in our shop. 
at which point we will be able to print our own marquees, which will be fun. Oh, so that's that's coming. It is. So it's supposed to go live tomorrow. Mm. We had a little delay in that the desk we have is 36 inches deep. It needs to be 37 and a half inches deep. Oh. Yeah. But it's... Oh, so it's short. It's an uh, inch and a half short. Mm, mm. So... You're not going to just uh, rig something on there in the end of it and then uh, I was some clamps? Or? <laughs> I was going to throw a board on there and just get a you know three-quarter inch piece of plywood, slap it down on there, but uh, Susan called off the install, so oh. uh, I didn't get control over that one. <laughs> Brian, okay. Brian, I think, is responding that uh, being short is the story of his life. I, I didn't quite read that. I don't know. So, anyways, <laughs> what have you been working on, Mark? Let's see. Uh, I've, I've got four Fastenal deliveries to pick up. I picked up two. <laughs> what? I know. Yeah. So I had I bought four. Can Muppets. I just say something out of yes. turn here? Yeah. You both have a problem. Yeah. Yeah. You both have a problem, and you need help. No, I I've solved my problem. I burned a couple of cabinets. I had a Monaco GP that I burned, and a slalom Nintendo cabinet that I burned. Oh yeah, wow! I love. Do you have any video of that? That would be I, good. <laughs> This, did you say Monaco GP? Heck yeah. I hate you. The crit, the crit is extra fire. I so what Moppet? You got Moppets? Yeah, I got a... No, um, uh, oh my gosh, let me think. Tugboat? Yep, it was Tugboat. And Noah's Ark. Are they, did they make Christian games? They are Christian games, but I mean, they don't like outright evangelize. They're just sort of... They use the topic, sure. basically. Kind of like the um, blue cartridges for the Nintendo. Oh, yeah. I forgot. Bible that. games. Right. Very little to do with the Bible, actually. Right. <laughs> I, I definitely think they were like, hey, if we market this right, every church will buy this. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Winkity-wink. <laughs> right. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that. So um, you have, like, how many games did you pick up? Well, just two Moppets and this uh, Satan's Hollow Cabaret, which is like right across from me. But since nice. it's not Atari, it's not on camera. Two Christian and it, games and Satan's Hollow. That's how you roll. That Yeah, but I also have to pick up two more Moppets and an elevator action. So that's that's coming. They, they call me every day like, hey, are you coming? <laughs> it's, like it's, it's like I left something in their living room and they're like, come on. <laughs> I did. I did forget to mention. I did pick up a game a week ago. Oh, oh! And I think my I think my one game is the same size as all of your games put together. What game? Oh. So I, en I ended up picking up a full motion outrun. Oh, I love. Oh. It. Really? Is, is it, oh yeah, yeah. I saw a picture of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, did, you know, I haven't plugged it in yet. I picked it up. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Check for mice nests. Yeah, well, and the bottom is pretty rusted, so I've got a little bit of uh, work to do on getting it uh, uh, repowder coated and some other things. But yeah, that was pretty cool. So, uh, is it my turn? Yes. It is. Okay, so uh, basically all I've been working on is getting the guest on Arcade Radio. Literally. <laughs> uh, I did go look at a pinball machine this last week, and uh, unfortunately I did not buy it because it had been uh, infested by mice. Oh, yeah. you don't like mice now. No, I don't. I hate them. You know, the whole millipede thing, gross. Right. Uh, this thing was, it would have cost me $500 to salvage it, and it wasn't worth it. Right. So all the scoreboards were broken. So, I, you know, I guess it's part of the hobby. You go out, sometimes you win, sometimes you don't. Hmm. 
I, I think we should maybe start the show. Yeah, probably where's, a good idea. Where's the start button? Uh, well, it's somewhere around here. I, right. Oh, sure. Do you have it? Uh, no, but I think it's, it's somewhere behind you. It is. Is do you have more stuff behind you? It seems more beautiful, like the the beautiful, warm, glowing light back there. Yeah. So there's a there's a lithograph of a Atari uh-huh. twenty six hundred right there. <gasps> yes, it's beautiful. And there's some really awesome tapper art. There's some tapper art there. That's right there. That's from uh, Brian Jones's friends down in Orlando. Sweet. All right, let's get this show on the road. Okay. All right, here we go. Bush now first saw the commercial potential of video games in a game called Space War, which had been played at computer centers around the country for several years. We all stand on other people's shoulders. I stood on Steve Russell's. Steve Russell was a MIT guy who developed a game called Space War on a PDP-1, and it was magical. It wasn't rocket science to know that if I had that screen with a coin slot, It'd make money. It was just no question. It was a magical thing. Live from KOYR Studios in Minneapolis, Minnesota, this is Arcade Radio. Hello, Commander. Computer reporting. Intruder alert, intruder alert. Hello and welcome to Season 3, Episode 24 of the Arcade Radio Podcast and the season finale. Today is Thursday, September 5th, 2019, and the time is now approximately 7.27 p.m. Central. Thanks for joining us in the Arcadosphere. This is your host, Adam Kalel Stevens. I'm joined by my co-host, Mark Crypto Shields and Paradise Arcade Shop proprietor and part-time master of all he surveys, General Brian Zod Thurston Howell III. And tonight, joining us later in the podcast, is founder and Atari Chuck E. Cheese, inventor of the first coin-op video game, Mr. Nolan Bushnell. Welcome to the show, chatters. Uh, Nolan will be showing up here in just uh, just under a half hour. Uh, and so uh, I think we're just going to jump right into what we like to call um, the arcade uh, news. Pizza, if you really want to create crappy pizza, you can do it really cheaply. And since kids don't care, you know, it's, it's one of those things. And we serve beer and wine so you can keep the parents anesthetized. Good evening. The Arcade News, Arcades, Pinball, Industry Alumni, Arcade Openings, Collecting, Celebrities, World Record Holders, Operators, Coin-Op, Conventions, New Products and Gadgets, Gamers, The Arcade News. I am Brian McLeod. I am Adam Stevens. We interrupt the Federal And now, The Arcade News with Brian McLeod! Welcome to The Arcade News tonight. We're going to keep it short and sweet. We have some... 
basically the news of the night is that this is via the Wall Street Journal that Nolan Bushnell, who has really been a pioneer of a lot of uh, things in the arcade world, as we all know, has a new uh, board game that integrates Alexa and a board game for your entertainment. So this is uh, really pushing the kind of limits of what we can do with voice recognition and interaction of the kind of voices and the game and uh, how the game goes. Uh, players take a role on a hard-boiled detective to solve a uh, of a hard-boiled detective to solve a murder at a mysterious town of Saint Noir, hmm. um, and which is also Adam the name of the game. Has the game. Yeah, so, and so we thought we would unbox this tonight okay. for the viewers to see. So uh, literally this just arrived. I bought it uh, last night and it okay. arrived this, today. Thank you, Amazon. So about 40 bucks. Uh, and I'm sure Nolan's going to go into all the details, but I thought we'd get a little uh, preview of what this thing is like. Uh, the packaging is amazing. I'm going to take off this cellophane so you guys can see it better. It's all like gold LeMay, film noir, black you see that isn't that gorgeous oh wow i mean they went all out and, and okay let's open this thing up and it works with alexa i don't know how but let's ask nolan when he gets here in a little bit um oh here we go it's so exciting it's like christmas okay uh oh so here's the the inside again still like it's like gold. classy it is classy it's very classy so that's the the board game, the, mm -hmm. it's the board for the game, right? And so there's all these little buildings in your city. So that's cool. And uh, let's see what else we got here. Uh, <laughs> underneath this, oh, ooh, there's a wow, there's a deck of cards in here, a small deck of cards. Okay. And uh, an, an iPhone. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> That thing's lost forever. Uh-oh. And, and, like, an instruction book. That's pretty oh, cool. Oh, okay. Um, and a number two pencil. <laughs> uh, so what I are those? I don't... <laughs> what is that for? What do you do that? I wonder if this is an eraser. Let me just open it up here. So huh? there's, like, a little gun on it. You guys see this? Okay. Oh, it's like... The, is that the weapon? Oh, oh there's all kinds of weapons. It's like... It's a box full of is like the the pipe and all the yeah Munsters. except for it's like a bunch of guns. <laughs> oh, so, oh, so according to the news, well, a there are in. multiple storylines and endings, and oh. <clears throat> it actually randomizes who the killer is. Yeah, and how things go, so that each game is new and different. It looks like it. It's a little bit like Clue and Ten Little Indians. Uh. We should ask uh, Nolan if there's a little pokey inserted into Alexa. Mm -hmm. To make sure that the games are randomized. I mean, you guys, this is really cool. And and uh, if you look at the the box, uh, it's got his signature on it, or his stamp of approval, anyway. So it says Nolan Bushnell, founder of the original Atari company. And then just ask ask Alexa to order twenty five pounds of cream corn. Oh. <laughs> hey, that showed up on my email. Is I have something on my shopping list. <laughs> <laughs> we so were that's we were cool. screwing around with with Brian's Alexa earlier. Right. It, it's not it can't hear us right now, right? You're on the headphones. No, no, it cannot hear us. Oh, oh that's too bad. bad. That's that's <laughs> too bad. Hey Alexa, order seventy five pounds of Huggies diapers. <laughs> What's that? Well, it, with one click, bam. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so it what says, a, Alexa. 
<laughs> Alexa shopping. One thing was added to your cart. Oh, no. <laughs> Creamed uh, corn. Andy Baldwin in the chat says, oh, the irony that the guy who created the arcade game is now selling a board game. That is true. <laughs> That's kind of cool. But it is it is an interactive computer-based game. So I, I have to kind of... You know. <laughs> All right. So uh, I guess we're moving on to your segment, Mark. Really? Yeah, already. We only yeah, have... Let's do it, because we're going to have some fun tonight with this, I think. So, okay. all right, here we go. This is Paul of 1975. Did you know that Chuck E. Cheese was born inside Atari? It's not Coyote Pizza. It's Rick Rat's Pizza. My marketing guy said, no way. He said, this is a restaurant. You, you, you don't get health permits if you have rats. Back in 82... I used to be able to throw a pigskin a quarter mile. Back, back to, to the, the cave, cave with, with Time Runner. Why are things so heavy in the future? Is there a problem with the Earth's gravitational pull? Why, yes, there is, Dr. Brown. <laughs> Music cue back to the cave with Time Runner 1972. I'm reading the title. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Have another drink. Uh, <laughs> Welcome no, to the show, Mark. I'm, I'm <laughs> Welcome fine. to the show. Fine. How long have you been on? You've been well, on like three years, and you just read the music. <laughs> I think you've done that once, <laughs> probably. So it's the year 1972, and in the arcade news, Pong, a table tennis sports game featuring simple two-dimensional graphics, becomes one of the earliest commercial successful arcade video games. Alan Alcorn created the the Pong. <laughs> the Pong? Is that how we do it? I don't know. Alan Acorn? Alcorn. Alcorn. Alcorn, right. He yeah. created The Pong as a training <laughs> exercise assigned to him by Atari co-founder Nolan Bushnell. And um, I, when Nolan gets on the show, I'm going to ask him if he can assign me an exercise so that, you know, the same thing can happen, basically. That's interesting. Half of our, our screen is now just a Skype, which is great. Because okay. Brian, Brian fell off the end of the earth. So what's the next article, Mr. The next article at the box office in 1972, and I just sort of summarized it. Yeah. Because there's a lot of bad box office. But the good of the box office was uh, (laughs) The Godfather, The Poseidon Adventure, What's Up, Doc. By the way, when I was a kid and I would see an ad for What's Up, Doc, I would get super excited because I was like, oh, my God, they made a a movie with uh, Bugs Bunny. (laughs) And then it turns out, no. No, it's just some Barbara Streisand movie. Have you have you seen Poseidon Adventure? Because uh, oh, many times. That was like the fifth videotape my parents bought. That's uh, Gene Hackman, right? Gene Hackman, Shelley Winters, yeah, uh, Grandpa from uh, <laughs> Willy Wonka. It's very sad. I it's a it's a disaster movie, right? Basically, kind of. Yeah, I mean the boat flips upside down, and all the passengers just happen to be in the bottom, so they have to go all the way up to the top, and they have. You know, they're like, oh, they have to swim through some things. It's a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. Um, I can't remember who it was. Maybe Susan Day was in it. I'm not 100% <laughs> sure who the pretty girl was. But um, it's a good – it's still a good movie. It, it stands up. I think that everybody should check out Poseidon Adventure. Uh, the Godfather, eh, you know, it's a classic. Godfather. <laughs> That's about uh, Dom DeLuise uh, in a pizza costume, right? That's right. Okay. It's uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Forgot about Godfather's Pizza. That that's gone now. Right? 
<laughs> hey, so the other two movies, it's funny, I actually left one of these out, but sure. the, the Green Door was one of the movies that was oh. super popular, which is really strange that it, it showed up at the top five. It is. But, but you know, uh, it was 1972. I was like exactly. zero. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, you, you guys Google that if you want to figure out All right, that we'll, we'll Google it. And then uh, Deliverance and Cabaret. Those were the... Uh, the most of the you know the good movies, and then there were some like really some boners down there we, at the bottom. Let's talk about the TV because we got to get into the game. The TV. What was going on in the TV? So this is strange. I never realized this. The boob tube. And on the boob tube in 1972, <laughs> everybody had a show, and I I could not believe I was looking through the the fall 1972 1973 schedule. Yeah, and it literally everything is like this. this is, you're gonna freak out. Okay, the, this is what we had: the Sandy Duncan show. Oh my God! The Did, new Dick Van Dyke. Doesn't show. she have like a glass eye, Sandy Duncan? Everybody says that. I just thought it was like a wonky eye. Oh, anyway. Yeah. Uh, okay, the new Dick Van Dyke show. Doris Any comments Day. about that? Okay, no. no, you're good. Okay, the Doris Day show, the Paul Lind show. Paul Lind. Paul, Paul Lind. Lind. Remember oh. him, the middle square? Yeah, he was awesome. Uh, Uncle, Uncle, oh, crap, I can't remember yeah. his name. He was on Bewitched. Yeah. Sure. Um, the Julie Andrews Hour, the Sonny and Cher Comedy Hour, the Flip Wilson Show, the Dean Martin Show, the Helen mm. Reddy Show, the Mary Tyler Moore Show, and the Bob Newhart Show. There's a, like everybody's first name and last name show. You just insert the Mark Shields Show. Show, right. Fantastic. It's incredible. I said fantastic. There, Deal with it. It's the there was season a, finale. Next year, I'll change my adjective, okay? There was I'm, also a show called The Sixth Sense, but I didn't have enough time while I was writing the show notes to figure out what that was about. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think ghosts were involved. Okay. Hey, you know, Adam, I have this subject now that it's the last episode of the oh, third season. Yeah? And uh, I really want to bring it up and talk about it before there's uh, no chance to do it again. Oh, is it? Uh, okay. Is it, One yeah. of the things that's really fun with games is the whole idea of, of the playful mind and how can we Once make... Once in the juke! Ah, oh, yeah! Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that's hey, always Adam. good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have a subject that now that it's the last episode... Sure, sure. <laughs> Okay, you already read that. All right, so uh, here, what's in the juke? We're going to do it a little different today. Do you want me to go or you yes. want to go? Uh, you, you go. Okay, so tonight every participant has a chance to win a t-shirt. That means if you are playing the game, if you put one answer in tonight, it doesn't matter if it's the wrong answer, you're going to get entered into a drawing for one of three t-shirts. A free t-shirt. Uh, Ooh, you're going to bring some? I'm that looks like that this. So we got the old logo. Right. We got... The season three logo, which you can't really yeah. see. Yeah, headphones, right? And then we got a big white T-shirt with the black logo on there. You're gonna win one of those T-shirts, uh, depending on your size. So uh, you'll win a T-shirt no matter what. So the top three are gonna get drawn for a T-shirt. When you win, we'll we'll uh, get your name, we'll get your size, and we'll get it out to you. So uh, Mark, should we just uh, get this going right here? Pull, pull. Pull it up. Pull the trigger. All right, here we go. Here's the. Uh, oh, we forgot to tell people how it's played. Yes. What's in the juke is played? Where we play a, a tiny little portion of a song, and the chatters online get to guess the artist and the title of the song. Right. And if and you do both of them, you get a full point. Full point. And if you get one of them, you get a half point. Half point. Right. 
That's correct. That's I will be keeping score. I will sweet. base your answer on the YouTube chat as it appears before me, not as it appears before you. Right. And so for the last uh, 75% of this, of season three, uh, you play for glory, and that's what you're doing tonight. And then everybody gets a chance to win a T-shirt. That's how it's going to go. So if you participate tonight, you get a chance to get a T-shirt. All right, ready? Okay, you can't just, just say things right now. You can't say things right now. We haven't even started. Okay. Everybody. All right, here we go. First track. Yeah. Sound like it. Put... There you go. <gasps> Billy Seven. Billy is Seven is. He's on the board. He's on the board with a half point. Half point. And who okay. got the uh, looking glass? Andy Baldwin with half point. Half point. Am I right there? You are correct. Sweet. Let me go ahead and enter that into the. Oh, uh, actually, in, I think Randy Gelking got it first, didn't he? Brandy and then Randy Gelking. Uh, no. The the band is Looking Glass. Oh no, he did get it way up there. Right after Billy Seven. I missed that, Randy Gelking. You're right. Thank you. That's why we okay. have three judges, right? Okay, next track. So, so, so hold on. So, Randy got the title. He got the he got the name of the band. Name of the band. Okay, got yeah. it. And, and Billy got the title. Yeah. yeah. Okay, got it. All right, we're here. We're ready. And just so you know, Billy, it is Brandy with a Y, but we're giving it to you anyway. Here we go. Here we go. go get it on bang a gong we have a couple of varying titles bang a gong andy baldman uh yep. is gonna get the title for that and who is it randall not, not ccr it is t-rex randall nice job buddy all right okay next track and so we've got brandy by looking less and bang a gong get it on by t-rex here comes the next track There we go. <laughs> oh. <laughs> America. Randy Gelkin gets America. Uh, house knee name. Billy Seven is dang close, but Andy pulls it out with a horse with no name. Andy Baldman with half a point, <laughs> and Randy with half a point. Half point. Together they get a full, full point, point, but it's really only half, half point, point each, right? This is a good fight. Here comes the next track. All right. <laughs> Randy Gelking with popcorn. Adam, you were dang close right behind him. You just were like a split second behind him. And it's by Hot Butter. Randy gets a full point for that. Full point. Holy. Yes. Full point. Full point for Randy Gelking. Fire. He is on fire tonight. Mr. Randy Gelking's taking. You know, if Kelsey, I mean, if Kelsey were here, this might be a different game. I'm going to call him Kelsey until he comes yeah. back on the show. I'm going to tell him. More seconds. He's probably listening right now going, I could beat all of you. He's gonna, I know. He's going to jump in at the last second and take the all the points, right? The next four. Yeah. <laughs> 
It's an eight track. There's it's an eight track. Eight songs. That's right. <laughs> Which I don't know why that is, but I don't know. Well, that's that sound you play just before you start a song, right? Right. All right. So that's popcorn by Hot Butter. Randy Gilking, full point. Here comes the next track. She packed my bags last night. Done. <laughs> I think that's good enough, don't you guys? I love it. I feel like playing it again. Oh. Andy Baldwin, Baldwin Elton John, and Rocket Man. Andy Rocket gets the full point. <laughs> best best answer of the night, Billy Seven and Ron John. <laughs> you guys look at it. Look, all, look at all the Rocket Man Elton Johns in there. Holy crap, everybody knows that song. We should play like we should play a little bit more of that, don't you think? She packed my bags last night. We fly. Zero hour. Oh, that's such a good song. All right, here comes the next track. Thanks for that, Elton John, Rocket Man, and the next track is coming up. Putting in that A track, and here you go. <laughs> that's so good. <laughs> this is a this is a phenomenal year. I'm kind of disappointed that Nolan couldn't make it right here. CCR, not CCR, Steve. You're just jet. You're Billy. just guessing. Billy Seven's got it. Billy Seven got it. He got Elvis, and who who got the name of the title? David Popadek. 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 David Popadek. Yeah, that's a real name. Come on, David Popadek. Welcome to the show. Burning Love is correct answer, and for that. You get a half point. Half point. All right. So, I Mark, just, tell us I, this. I got to say, though, if Billy's playing on a phone, he should do this every time. Buying Bunk Live. Yeah. It's the pretty name fun. of that song. Uh, <laughs> Mark, why don't you give us the update? Who's winning? Yeah. At the moment, Randy is ahead at the, the lead with 2.5 points, followed closely by Andy Baldwin at oh, two points. Jeez. Billy, Billy seven in third with one full point. <laughs> full point. And David Popadick. The half point. All right, so we have a uh, we have a a host of winners. All right, here comes the next track. Putting in the eight track, and here it comes. Up down. <laughs> hey, that's that's the name of an arcade place that. Uh, Up down. Brian yeah, I think you're right. Let's hear, let's hear that again. Where I spend my tokens every night. <laughs> Andy right? got both. Andy Baldwin got both it. of them? Wow. Full point. Full point. For first place. Man, that's just crazy. How many, right. more, uh, how many more tracks do we have left? We uh, One. We're down to one track. Uh, nice. This one's going to be a little different. All right, here we go. I'll put it in the A track. My Man. pappy said, son, you're going to... Have you heard the story of the hot rod race with the Fords and the Lakers was setting the pace? That story is true. I'm here to say I was driving that Model A. I love that. I skipped the, the beginning. Rap song. It is. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great song. All right, let's play that again. Oh, Randy knows it. He's just hot rod Lincoln. Oh, David Popovic. Bam! You're in it. You want to burn that song? Lance Burkhart, welcome to the show. Good to hear you, buddy. All right. Agent 57 comes in with Commander Cody. Wow. Uh, it is by Commander Cody. 
And uh, that concludes uh, the the points. So, so Mark, give us the points. Okay, let's see. And um, who got? Oh, David got it. So he got the half point. Um, let me calculate here. Okay, that's the sound of my calculator. Okay, here we go. The winner of tonight's What's in the Juke A Track Edition is Andy Baldwin. Three points. There are a lot of people in in the chat tonight. I'm gonna we're gonna have to go back and look at everybody who participated. I don't think I can do this. Uh, yeah. In the, in the next five minutes. You know. Yeah, that's true. Well, we'll we'll be able to copy and paste. Yep. Uh, I think. Yes. Randy oh. came in second, and uh, David Popadick coming out of nowhere, tying. Dude, actually, I love it. With seven for third place. Sweet. Okay, so. Uh, all of you that participated when we started up, even those that were guessing before we started the contest, we're gonna put you in a drawing, and then we're gonna uh, we're gonna email you. We're gonna reach out to you. Uh, we're gonna send weird people to your house. That's right. Uh, we'll <laughs> get your shirts Adam. somehow. Uh, yeah, this is a great idea. Um, so uh, we have approximately five minutes to kill. Uh, Let's talk about tight underwear. Tight underwear. <laughs> no, no, no. Wait. I, no. I'm, I, I'm wearing underwears. Does that count? We could, since Mark's been on such a buying spree, we could talk about what is the next game that we're trying to get. That, that sounds like a long, that's a, a long and convoluted topic. I'm trying to get it a mega race. Uh, do you know anyone that might have one of those? <laughs> do, do you want me to carry the camera over to where it's sitting? Oh, it's gonna make me cry. Make me cry. <laughs> He's holding it hostage until I get that Monaco GP out of his shop. I think I should. <laughs> Steve, no Mon- Steve, Steve Taki's just throwing out Clint Black in the middle. <laughs> it's like we're done. <laughs> we're done, but you're still guessing. Steve, that's good times. Houston, <laughs> let's play Who's in My Mouth. <laughs> who's in My Mouth for the next four minutes. <laughs> Which reminds me. Oh, why do I have Hot Shot here? That's not right. That needs oh, to be removed. You know, it was one of my. I forgot to talk about. It. I fixed my sound issue on my millipede. That was one of the things I did. I. You know, we could tell the story about how we ended up getting Nolan on the show. Yeah, I, I don't know that. Then I could tell the reaction Adam had when he got off the phone. I don't think that's appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> so if you've ever seen like. A kid get like the I, ultimate Christmas present. So for season four, and like squeal. <laughs> that was Adam's reaction after getting off the phone with with Nolan's oh, wife. I mean, he was incredibly professional. Sat there, no, thank you very much. Yes, no, I think this is good. Sounded amazing, and then gets off the phone, and we're sitting there watching him, and he just came across the room like a kid that just got like the greatest present ever. Mm-hmm. Well, that's probably true. I mean, how many kids that you know? Hey, do you guys remember when we had Tyler on? Uh, Tyler, Tyler Bushnell. Tyler Bushnell. Yeah, he pulled over. Yeah. Under the side yeah. of the road. And do you remember he was talking about there was no Atari twenty six hundred in his house? Yeah, that's terrible. I mean, like, I kind of want to ask Nolan about that. <laughs> was Tyler? It's like, uh, hey, Daddy Bushnell, did you? Daddy O. <laughs> we should. We should have the chatter. I mean, this is a good time for the chatters also. If you guys have questions, throw yeah. them in the chat. You're going to want to we put them in the chat. I promise we'll get to all of them, but I've copied a couple down that I've seen go by. So if you have, have questions, get them up there. <laughs> Give zero FX. Nolan Bushnell, greatest pitcher ever. <laughs> <laughs> ah. 
I, yeah, you might I be on the wrong podcast. <laughs> I I did forget to mention I did pick up an Atari baseball. Oh, cool! I have two Atari basketballs. Do you want those? It's really a problem when you buy enough games that you forget that you bought stuff. Yeah, it is a problem. I told you <laughs> you have a problem. Okay. Um, yeah. So. Uh, that's interesting. Give zero FX. Welcome to the show. I haven't seen you before. That's good, right? He's been here. Greaseball. It's a regular. Greaseball, Greaseball too. Greaseball's well, here. Greaseball hasn't time. been here in a while. He just. He, do you, Greaseball, do you just come here for the season finale? Oh, he was. He was here last week. Oh, was he? Damn or two it. weeks ago. I always say last week, but it was really every two weeks. Uh, first of all, uh, chatters, thank you for joining in on the season three finale of Arcade Radio Podcast. This is. Uh, this is kind of a milestone. It's three years of doing this show now. I mean, it's that's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Oh, you know what? I you know since we just told that little story about uh, how we got Nolan, yeah. I'm going to read. Adam texted me on Facebook Messenger at on Tuesday at 10:30, and it said, "Well, we're in trouble. We have no guest." <laughs> <laughs> that's where we were on Tuesday. Yeah, and then. Then some stuff happened, and yes. we the forecast went up to like eighty seven percent. I know, right? It, it was dipping. Like when I left, it was sixty five percent. All I want to say is because of that, we already have our season four premiere guest. We're not going to say who it is because we have to make oh. sure that happens. But uh, I reached out to another fairly uh, uh, well known uh, person in the iconic, art, the iconic. I would say iconic. Yes, uh, and. Uh, he was very, he, very gracious. Uh, he was going to do this show, I think, right? Yeah. If, he, if, uh, he, if, Nolan, Nolan? if Nolan said no, uh, we would have still had a guest tonight. It just would have been someone completely different. Right. You know. And I, so I just want to, I'm going into a little into my Casey Kasem right now. Uh, so don't lose our number. <laughs> because season four is right around the corner. All right. Should we try to get <laughs> Nolan in here right now? Let's do that. Yeah. Okay, right. let's see how um, that goes. Yeah, it, uh, this, uh, this ought to be interesting. I, I don't, we, we may end up doing this from time to time, you know, just uh, inviting people. At the end? At the end of the show when we're done. Sometimes that happens where they uh, right. don't. Hey, I don't. <laughs> is Mark drinking Zima is the question in the room. I, yes, Zima. <laughs> I, I have like a stash of Zima that I, whenever there's like a, a nostalgic guest or. Something. I'm drinking it on top of my warlords. (laughs) Oh, warlords, centipede, cocktails, marble madness, tempest, battle zone. That's it. (laughs) All right, so I gotta figure out. uh, How do you call? Adam actually accidentally called Nolan earlier. And he picked up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which he is did. good for us. So now we know it's a re- it's a real number, right? We we were like, okay, so that's kind of legit, well, right? The, the, then he then he talked about how nice his wife was because she was very nice to him on the phone, while Nolan didn't know how to hang up. <laughs> uh, well, that's not, we shouldn't bust him out on that. That's, that's I don't even know how to hang up half the time. No, well, it was especially the like at the part. end of a WebEx. You're like, how do you end the meeting? Yeah, <laughs> turn the whole thing off. Just right, just hold turn, the power button down. Just turn your computer off because that's what you do. Right. <laughs> we are up to thirty-three chatters. Thirty-three yeah, that's people great. watching the show. Um, hopefully that'll go up in a couple minutes when we get them on the show. Um, 
All right, let's see. Here's the problem. Okay, let me just get this. Here we go. Chats. Yeah. The chats. Nice. That's a nice watch, Adam. What is that? Oh, this is... Um, yeah, it's a Samsung. Anyway. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of cool because I, I made a, my own background here for it. For, the, the Donkey Kong? <laughs> yeah, it's got a Donkey Kong. Yeah. Anyway, we'll take that. There. Oh, there we go. I accidentally dropped my Apple Watch of three years, and it, the top popped off, and now I can't use it. So is, I think somebody Apple tried watch. to chat with us earlier. All right. Okay. This is exciting. This is exciting. Uh, you know, and to add him, he you know he can join on his own too, but because uh, he has the link, right? But we'll get him here. Let's see here. Mm. Is he actually him? skyping? Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Let's see. <laughs> there we go. Arcade Jason thinks Nolan is just going to be a cardboard cutout. Actually, he's uh, represented by a Skype S. <laughs> just puts it up. We have a, we hired an, an impersonator to to. <laughs> to call in and yeah. right, yeah, we did. Um, let's see here, and uh huh. All right, three minutes. Uh, like to hear about the creation of Surf Planet. <laughs> yes, he's not in Great Britain. I know that. <laughs> what? <laughs> you had you had him before. I did. Uh, I'm just. Uh, where is no land? <laughs> well, yeah, I can't share his, you know. Yep. Pers- his Skype name. Right. right. It's like, here, Super everybody. secret. Here, here it is. Uh, yeah. It's, it's like I know um, P. Diddy. I, he, I actually know his email address. And if, you, if I told you what it was, you'd be like, that is so easy to guess. But I can't. So I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> oh, here we go. Uh-huh. Let's just see if we can add him in here. One time I was at a movie premiere and P. Diddy's elbow hit me and I was like, Who is that? And I was like, Oh, it's P. Diddy and then I was like, It's okay. I'm I'm filling in the space with stories. Hang on a second. Hi guys. Hey Hello. Well hello there. Nobody we are. Seven fifty nine. We're right on time. <laughs> that worked. It's good to see you. Is that your lab? It is. It has grown. Well, you know, it's one of those things where uh, I have a diversity of hobbies, <laughs> and uh, I still actually solder and uh, yes. check things out and uh, build shit. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, that's what we do a lot of the time too. Well, my kids, my kids believe that my lab here is a hazard zone. <laughs> well, and, maybe and so. I've got enough parts here that I could build a space shuttle if I wanted to. But <laughs> uh, one of our chatters just said, "You're in the trenches." And uh, one of the other chatters says, hey, it's the man, the legend. Welcome to the show. Good to be here. So and, we, and I, I do have an incredible introduction for you. I've got, 
Are we ready for it? A I think Jack and I. You know. Are we? Are we losing him? I think him? he's got some Jack and ice, but I think we're uh, hiccuping. We'll we'll be right there. All right. All of a sudden, we're... we got you. So he's all the way in California. He's a, he's you know he's away from Dorian, so it should be okay. Yeah. If this is the picture we're gonna have, Nolan the whole night. <laughs> he's grabbing the Jack and Coke or <laughs> right. Jack and ice. Should we try to reconnect? There he is. Oh, there you are. You're back. Uh, there we go. We almost lost you. Yeah, I think it's the gremlins in the in the cyberspace. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, we just wanted to uh, have a little bit of an introduction. Uh, so please uh, welcome to the Arcade Radio Show, American entrepreneur and electrical engineer, the co-inventor of the very first commercial arcade game ever produced, Computer Space, the inventor of Pong, uh, inductee into the Video Game Hall of Fame, and the Consumer Electronics Association Hall of Fame, winner of a BAFTA Fellowship Innovator of the Year Award, named one of Newsweek's 50 Men Who Changed America, and the founder of numerous companies, including Atari and Chuck E. Cheese. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Put your hands together for the one and only Mr. Nolan Bushnell. Thank you for being on the show. Uh, Thank you. My pleasure. Uh, and, you know, we... Uh, we know that uh, you've told the story over and over again, but before Chuck E. Cheese, before Syzygy, before Atari, before you played Space War on the PDP-1 at University of Utah College, uh, you were a regular kid. Can you kind of just take us back and uh, tell us what your interests were when you were a kid and what drove you to pursue engineering? I think that uh, a couple of sort of, I, I, you know, I've asked myself, why am I the way I am? <laughs> and, uh, and I think sometimes the question I have a little bit is, is my life been a series of accidents? And, and I want to just relate two or three sort of definitive points in my life. One, eight-year-old Nolan sitting at the dinner table, my wife or my mother, um, said, we've got way too many strawberries. We always had a pretty good-sized garden out in the back, you know, vegetables and what have you. She says, we've got way too many strawberries. We're going to have to give some of them away. The next, the very next day, I was accompanying her to a grocery store, and I noticed in the produce section there were baskets of strawberries for 50 cents. And I thought to myself, self, there's an opportunity. So I went home got all the little baskets that we'd saved around the house, filled them with strawberries, and went up and down the street and sold strawberries door to door for 50, for 50 cents a basket. That evening, I had $5 in cash, which for an eight-year-old kid was an astonishing amount of money in a world in which my weekly allowance was 15 cents. <laughs> <laughs> so this is like 1954, 1955? Yeah. yeah. And, and so it really gave me this idea that there's another way to get money rather than waiting for the week to roll by or to mow a lawn or do other little odd jobs. Let's be clever and you can make a lot of money. Second thing, third grade, Mrs. Cook had a magic science box. And she would assign one student to 
get to play with the, the magic science walks. It was locked in a closet. And we'd go on a back table and set up the experiments. And I was assigned with the idea of uh, the thing on electricity. And they had big dry cells and wires and switches and lights and what have you. And, you know, told you how to wrap a wire around a nail and turn it into electromagnet. And I did that. And I was, I was hooked. That night I went home and set up a card table in the corner of my bedroom. Got every piece of wire, battery, old flashlight, what have you, and started to tinker. And never stopped. That's wow. cool. Step three. Oh, <laughs> there's more to this because he's not even in college yet. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, there was a neighbor who was a ham radio operator. And he also had a surplus electronics store. We were adjacent to Hill Air Force Base, and they were constantly surplusing electronic parts and things like that. And he would buy them and sell them in a little mail order catalog that he put together every month. But he was my neighbor. He was just four street and four, four houses down the block. And I started going down and hanging out with him. And he says, well, why don't you get your ham radio license? And so at 10 years old, I got my first ham radio license. That, is, that is awesome. 10 years old. Yeah. And 10 years old, I was playing the VCS, man. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think that that became an important thing because in ham radio, you learn a lot about electricity and electronics and, yeah. and various things. Plus, it was a way to be a poser. Like nobody expected a 10-year-old to be on the ham radio waves. And so I could pretend I was an adult, effectively. <laughs> and, and so I was a poser, and, and I kind of liked it. Um, step four. <laughs> oh! <laughs> um, I, my parents allowed me to fix our television. Oh. <laughs> and that was the world where the televisions were all vacuum tubes, and when when a television broke, it was basically a, a uh, tube that had gone bad. And so if you knew a little bit about how the TV worked, you could sort of diagnose what was happening on the screen and figure out which tube was bad, replace it, and all of a sudden, voila, all of a sudden it's working again. So it was in a world in which a, a uh, house call and the TV sets were huge, and so they, it was all a house call. They, everybody charged five bucks for it. Well, I had a problem that I couldn't, you know, I was a kid, and these TVs would cost a month's salary for a lot of people, so it was a significant thing. And so I had to put in a marketing program to let a kid come in and play with their TV. <laughs> so I charged 50 cents for a house call. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> but I found out that I could buy tubes at a really big discount wholesale. And when I replaced them, I'd mark them up like crazy. <laughs> 450. <laughs> and so I would so all of a sudden as a 
11, 12, 13-year-old kid, I was actually earning as much as the typical, you know, middle-class line worker at uh, the military, the the places around town. Hmm. Did you so know? I, did you know to, at that point in your life that you were an entrepreneur already? Did you, or was it just like something that was inborn that you just kept running with? I don't know, but I think that it was, in fact, these steps that. If I wasn't born that way, I learned how to be. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so I've looked back on that as the formation story of kind of get, deciding that it was, it was really important to, to have a gig, not a job. Yeah. Well, the, the cool so I love this uh, because it is everything that you stand for. I've done... So obviously, having uh, having you on the show is an honor. Uh, we we and I, and I do I, I've been doing a ton of research, and uh, you have always been an entrepreneur, as far as I can tell, with an, an idea man uh, and an engineer, um, and and you have, you know, uh, are you? I think you're seventy six now. Is that right? Uh, and you have. You have not you you have new ideas every day, and now you're working uh, for a company called X Two. And actually, not we just licensed out that product. I've started another company. Okay, that uh, <laughs> follows that on. You know, we had some funding issues on the other company that was being supplied by some guys that failed to live up to their promises. So we all. Quit and sort of went away. So you. So it's all now Versix. Okay. I R S I X. Are you guys in control in control of this? Yes. So yesterday I, I ordered this and it came today and we unboxed it about fifteen minutes ago. Um, but can you tell us a little bit about Saint Noir? Uh, your, I mean, what is it? What what is? I have this. Saint- I'm gonna I want to play it because I love. I have my Alexa. And I'm ready to go. Thank yeah. You. You, you can't say that word because all of a sudden it triggered my <laughs> Alexa, order 75 pounds of cream corn now. <laughs> oh, no. So, so, you, you, so in the, the pre-show, Nolan, you missed it. Adam actually got my Alexa to put 75 pounds of cream corn on my... And I get this email saying that I have something on my shopping list now. So... <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I there's a part of me that's a little bit obsessive compulsive, and I do deep dives on things that I get curious about. And so my curiosity is not satisfied until I feel like I kind of understand what's going on. And this thing really started when I thought that it would be cool to have a house in which I could walk from room to room and turn lights on and off with my voice. And so... Um, I got a bunch of switches and, and several echo dots in various rooms here and there. And, uh, when it works, you know, like, uh, right now I can say, Alexa, Raj off. Yes. <laughs> Alexa, Raj on. <laughs> nice. You know, and, uh, and just for a little bit of fun, Alexa. X-ray on. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, you, know, you probably can't see these over here. But oh. It's funny because... I have a string of whites. Oh, those are cool. Uh, so uh, all of my... Arca- so I, one of the things... One of the things... We, we did introduce ourselves. By the way, I'm Adam... Uh, we have Mark and Brian here. We're all arcade collectors. We are all fans of Atari in the early days. Uh, we understand the, the whole story of Atari. But the, the, my point is, is one of one of the great things that I do with my arcade, uh, and I don't know, Brian Brian also does it, is we have everything hooked up to Alexa. Every single game. So I can turn on Donkey Kong. I can turn on Tempest. I can turn on Pole Position. I can turn on... Uh, dig dug individually or I can turn on the entire arcade it's such a cool thing I mean it's brilliant we're, we're, we're in it good on you guys yeah, <laughs> yeah. and we're and and it's it's lights too you know you could turn I can turn on my bedroom lights I could turn them off I'm I'm like all over this technology and so I'm super excited about Saint Noir I'm super excited about the fact that you're taking advantage of it and you recognize it. But I, I just, uh, you know, we, we're, we're with you, buddy. <laughs> that's what, that's what, yeah. So, so anyway, to continue the story, um, I got fascinated with the whole idea of voice-activated artificial intelligence. And being a gamer, I thought to myself, what, what would be really cool? And that would be, I am... I want to be able to have a conversation with an AI that passes the Turing test of believability. That is, is there a human that I'm having a conversation with yeah, yeah, or, yeah. or am I talking with an artificial construct? Sure. And so to start, I thought, let's do a game in which you are a detective and you are interviewing suspects. I love this. Uh, I love this. Saint Mar is a creepy town, <laughs> <laughs> and it has creepy people. And there has been a murder. We don't know where the murder took place because the body was drugged, dragged out to the town square. We do know how it was, how the murder was accomplished. We know whether it was a stabbing weapon, a blunt instrument, a poison. Or, or a gun. That's all we know. And so now, we are going around the town, and we are interviewing townspeople. And the rules are that the, the suspects have to tell the truth, unless they're the perp. If they're the perp, they can lie. And so you're investigating the town, you're interviewing the suspects, and you're trying to cross-correlate who's telling the truth and who is not. That's the game. I love it. I love that concept. I mean, and the cool thing, and you, you can't really experience it until you play it with Alexa, right? Exactly. Yeah. And, and remember, we haven't used the Echo voices. We've taken Hollywood actors, yep. put them in a sound studio, recorded basically the equivalent of about eight movies. Because when you do Boolean branching and things like that, it gets, sure. you know. A lot of pool permutations. Yeah. But we wanted to have atmospherics. So if you're in the bar, you hear the background of the bar. And the bartender, the barmaid, is ditzy. 
It sounds ditzy. <laughs> and the, the sheriff is kind of a curmudgeon, and he sounds like he smoked seven packs of cigarettes a day. For the last <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, the head of the university is a pompous ass. <laughs> you know, so, so being a video game guy, people always say, well, what's the resolution? And I say, well, it's infinite because it's limited only to your imagination. Because I can close my eyes and see these people. So what is the most nice. enticing part of Saint Noir 2? So this game is uh, uh, obviously uh, you want to involve a broader audience. And I'm, by that I mean you want to bring in families if they can or like friends and and you playing this game. What what is your goal with Saint Noir? Well, you know, this is part of our marketing strategy. I'm doing the Edward Teller or the the Einstein mea culpa. When they said, "Gee, I w- we wouldn't have invented all this stuff if we'd known it was going to create these great big bombs." Well, I'm saying, hey, we create, I created some video games, and it sort of has isolated people. And now I want to bring them all together back around a board game where you can elbow each other and, and, uh, and have a beer and have a good time together. I think that's, I think that's the fundamental, and we're going to get to this later in the show, but I think that's a fundamental point that people have lost in video games not, not, not necessarily lost, but they don't realize that it's happening. And it's a super important part of uh, arcade game, gaming culture. So um, let me ask you this question. On a spectrum of game player to game inventor, where, where do you fall? Lock. Did I lose him? Or yours? Oh, I, I, here he goes. Hi there. Yeah, so... From a, yep. from, a, from yeah, you're back. Good. So, from a spectrum from game player to game inventor, where do you fall? Let me pick, let me do a ping. Sure. See if it's my side. Sure. I see him locking up there. Mark, you're still well, there. Not my side. I've still got a good connection. We still see you. It's a, it's a, it's the Minnesota California connection. We'll we'll, we'll work it out. You're, <laughs> We're, you know, we're the frozen trend here. It's you know what, what can we do? It's it's the mass exodus of people leaving Minnesota at this time of year, looking for better weather in California. So exactly. Okay. Right? So um, my Traffic question set up one way. My question is: so uh, you are you? There's a spectrum, right? You're, there's a there's the inventor side of you, and there's the game side. Where do you fall? Where do where do you think you fall? Right in the middle of that. I have no idea. No, that's interesting. <laughs> I find that interesting. Uh, so well, you you play, but you also invent. I, but I also, I, I think in some ways I consider myself a scientist as much as anything else. And, sure. and very often my curiosity leads me to research, which leads me often to a business. And and that that curiosity often triggers my obsessive compulsive nature which says hey now i've thought of this and i always think about things in terms of a balance sheet and a a marketing program and then i have to do it (laughs) i love i love that uh that statement very you know basically you 
there's a little bit of a confession there. Like, uh, like if you didn't have to deal with all the paperwork and you could do anything you wanted, uh, at heart, you're the inventor. I think so. I, I well, love, I love though that. I love working on marketing programs. Yeah. And uh, marketing is, is, is like, it's a challenge. I love that. Right. Yeah. And I think one of the, one of the really neat things that you said in that is, and this is one of the things I think a lot of people, I used to be an engineer uh, and, and do design. And one of the things that people forget sometimes, and you said, which was really a neat insight to your business is you see something, you have an idea, and then you do research. So it's like the, the idea comes out of kind of the air, but the, the manifestation of how that idea is useful or how it can be represented or brought to life is from actually going out and looking at the world and seeing how you can fit that idea into the world with what you're learning and what you're doing. And that, that is a, that's a piece that a lot of people don't realize. It's not enough to just have this like, oh, look, there's this thing over here. Totally. It's going and figuring out how does that fit? Yeah. Um, So I'm very dismissive. about. (laughs) Oh, they stole my idea. I said, no, <laughs> you had the idea and you sat on your ass and didn't do anything about it. <laughs> that you don't own an idea. Just because you had a shower and had an idea doesn't mean you own the idea. Right. You only own it through research, pushing it. I call it moving an idea up the mountain towards reality. An idea just ephemerally, is basically dog shit. <laughs> so I have a question. Uh, this, this is a little bit more... So about 14 years ago, you were, you were deep into U-Wink. And, yeah. And you and your uh, daughter, Alyssa, were working hard on uh, making these bistros happen. And I love this story because... Uh, of the innovative nature of it. And the thing that, that strikes me in the story is that you invented things that are now in use today. But what I want to talk about is I want to ask you a little bit about it because in the article uh, uh, that I read in Wired, uh, you were featured, uh, maybe with Alyssa as well, you said... Um, uh, my goal is to create games that almost. Oh, so for, first of all, can you tell us a little bit about what U Wink Bistro was about? It was about ordering everything at the table okay. and bringing families together in a slightly different way. I wanted Chuck E. Cheese to bring families together, and I kind of did. But in reality, the parents were sitting at the table and the kids were out in the game room. So it kind of. They were all in the same building, but they weren't all with themselves. So I thought, let's bring the games to the table. Let's drop the cost of wait service by having, uh, you know, ordering at the table. And then we'll have the whole restaurant compete against each other uh, for some of the games. Other games, you can win prizes and what have you. And I wanted it to be a more seamless environment in which... Everybody was at the table, and parents could play against kids, and kids could play against other tables, and uh, and really have a an extra communal gaming environment. And I think this is a really cool concept. I'm like, 
Uh, Brian, uh, Brian and I have talked about Brian. You can back me out this, but um, we could. We've talked about like doing a cocktail lounge, right? So like everybody mm-hmm. could sit around uh, the old arcade games. But the cool thing about U Ink is they were new games, so right. you could you could play like Pong for like a, a version of Pong against your opponent, and maybe against the table next to you. Uh, and 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 the, and involved in that Nolan was a game called Ping. Right? Was that, am I right? Right. Can you tell us about ping? Yeah, it was a, it was pong without a without a uh, license. That's cool. Uh-huh. That's cool. <laughs> That's cool. So you you just uh, a little bit of a different sound maybe, and you could play against your neighbors. That's really cool though. So like yeah, but yeah, you got to understand that the only thing that was was copyrightable was the name. Right. All the rest of it, I could copy Pong identically and name it something. <laughs> so the, the, the thing that struck me about the Wired article back then was your quote, I, and I'm just going to quote you because I think this is really important. And I think this is something that both Mark and Brian and all the people that are in the chat right now agree with. And you said at the time, this is 14 years ago, and I think this is really cool, uh, my goal is to create games that almost retreat into the background. I'm interested in bringing in uh, them back to their role as a, a, social, a social facilitator. Uh, right. Which I think is like really, really important. Uh, and the way, to, uh, way party games help people interact. The game should be secondary to the social interaction between the players. And I think that's what they arcade special you know absolutely yeah uh, so mark mark you're saying you agree oh i do yeah uh i don't know where i'm <laughs> uh, my question is <laughs> go ahead go ahead I, I, my question is sort of uh i'm jumping around here but as far as the games and i'm thinking of the 2600 games i am right now surrounded by the cl- the classic arcade games warlord centipede battle zone tempest and I was just curious when you were at uh, Atari and uh, and you made the ports of these games. What was the philosophy behind, you know, having to squeeze complex gameplay into a tiny little 4K hole? You know, and was yeah. there uh, what what was the? Did you have any kind of a mantra about that, or was it just do the best you can do? Or did you did you personally like bring the games into the office, or you know? <laughs> You know, it was a. Uh, I, I think you you hit it. Yes. Do the best you can do because right. the the Atari twenty six hundred was so flawed on so many ways. <laughs> but it was awesome. It had, had one hundred twenty eight bytes of RAM, not kilobytes, bytes, bytes. <laughs> and so that just you know, you know, it, everything was hard. You know, and, you know we we had to hike through. Snow up uphill to school both ways, <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, we always knew that the system was flawed, and that we had to do some very very interesting things to um, make it work. And uh, and I think that that was kind of the main focus at that point in time. Um, at that point in time. The arcade business was actually more important or more interesting 
as a development platform because we were getting a lot more speed in the microprocessors. Remember, we really didn't have microprocessors in the coin-op games until about 77. Hmm. And so they, they, we, the games before that were all state machines. They weren't von Neumann yep. architecture at all. But once the microprocessor got fast enough, all of a sudden it opened up a lot of things that we could do in arcade games that were really difficult before. And then as we developed vector graphics, you know, for Tempest and, and uh, you know, Lunar Lander and some of those things, and, oh, uh, asteroids, that, that opened up a whole new level of things that we could do that were really cool. And uh, that was a, it was a much more satisfying palette in the, in the late 70s. Hmm. Well, that, that answers my question. Um, as far as testing, like usability testing and things like that, what did you do? Um, did you have people come in or did, was it always like sending things on site or did you actually personally test anything? Like, like where did your feedback come into play? <laughs> oh, my God. You're, Uh-oh. You are uh, the gross thing. <laughs> that we did when I say it had no nuance. Okay. Is you'd count the quarters at the end of the week. And yeah. You had a good game or not. <laughs> but you had no idea about when people would flame out, whether they were having a satisfaction, what have you. You only knew if you got replays. And we tried to fix that a little bit. But the technology was so bad. <laughs> but. Are you acquainted with the chart recorder? Yes. Yeah. We actually put a low-speed chart recorder in the bottom of the game. <laughs> it would record when, how long the people played, and uh, when they played. And we'd come back after three or four days, and the bottom of the cabinet would be just full of paper. <laughs> 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 and then we go through and try to extract data from that. And that's as good as our analytics was. This is in the 70s. And, and it was, you know, compared to what we do now, I mean, you know, it was, it was, it was hiking up uphill in the snow both ways. <laughs> both <on>. ways again. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, good times. So, was, so were there any games that you would count the quarters on that you thought there, this has to do, that a game that you thought, this is should be doing a lot better, and the quarter counts just weren't coming back where you thought they'd be? All the time. Lots of them. But the biggest, you know, some of the biggest mistakes we made were what we called Roman Candles. <laughs> they, were, they were games that would earn like crazy for a month and then drop off to oblivion. Sure, sure. And, and the best example of that we did a game called Steeplechase. I'm not sure if you can even find one anymore. Because it turned out to be a massive turkey. <laughs> and what it was is there were six horses, and they would, it was a side-scroller. Right, black and white game with colored gels, right? Yeah, and you'd push a button, and the horse would jump. And if you did it the right way, it, you know, you'd get a little bit further ahead. And it was a game in which you had six players. And so it could earn massive amounts of money 
if you had six players going <laughs> in a regular size. And it was kind of fun about three times. Ah. And so you collected the, the revenue the first week, and it was just off the charts. Second week, off the charts. Third week, off the charts. Fourth week, nobody home. Ah. <laughs> There's actually a fair number. Of, there's a couple of people in the chat who are saying, "I have a steeplechase. We know steeplechase, right?" They're they're all I like, oh, "We're totally nerds, and we got everything you ever." <laughs> right, I, I want one. I, I that's surprised. I mean, you know, you know, the I'm sure that the people that own a steeplechase know exactly what I'm talking about. But, yeah, but what it did, it gave us the confidence to make a big manufacturing release. And just about the time that the revenues dropped was the time we had a lot of games available to be sold, and nobody wanted to buy them. So we basically took a great big bath on steeplechase. It's probably the biggest uh, loss that, no, second biggest loss. The biggest loss we did was video music. Oh. And that's where I decided that... Uh, Focus groups and and, uh, and and projections were worthless. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> they said we'd sell ten thousand easily, and I think we sold four at full price. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, so there was a question in the chat, and you had mentioned earlier how Pong was just uh, a <clears throat> was just. Um, all that was copyrighted was the name Pong. And uh, one of the guys who does, a, who does a lot of repairs in the community asked about how Nutting was able to release a Pong clone so quickly afterwards and wanted kind of a, you know, the, how basically said, how was Computer Spaceball able to come out about the same time? They were swine bags. <laughs> they, they were not only stupid, but they were disingenuous. I gave them, I came and said, would you like to manufacture Pong? Because I knew we had more demand. And they said, I don't know, let, let me see. And I actually gave them a PC board. And uh, of course we didn't have it patented yet or anything like that. And the, the, the shitheads just <laughs> Xeroxed the board <laughs> in production. Oh, and, then, and <laughs> you know, I. <laughs> oh man, I hes hesitate to tell this story. <laughs> go 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 ahead and tell us. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we only have like two hundred subscribers. Nobody's gonna know. Just tell us. <laughs> All the people that were copying my games pissed me off. I and amen, brother. Yes, and so I decided that I was going to get them. <laughs> and so what I did is I got, we were buying enough semiconductors, the chips at the time that I could get them printed with any, any label I wanted and so what I did is I like, it was a 7400 series and so like a 7402 was a uh, quad man gate and you know, maybe it was the 7400 but anyway and what I did is I had those names, 
mixed up, but with a suffix that allow me to know that, that for our side, that these parts were not what was in the catalog. So anybody who got one of our products, cloned it, bought the parts, stuck the boards, it wouldn't work. <laughs> nice. And so we did one game that looked like it was going to be hot. We used that methodology. It was the first time we did it. And there were two companies that were on our tail. One was called Meadows Games, and the other one was Nutty. And, uh, nice. And so we basically kind of set them up a little bit. And, you know, there's always a, there's always what I call a back channel where you can feed. See, I looked at business as a game. And you wanted to mess with the people who were making decisions on this side for them to make wrong decisions. So, sure. That makes sense. <laughs> so bad Bad information to the competitors is only good for you. So anyway, both Meadows Games and Nutty ended up with a whole production floor full of games that didn't work. <laughs> nice. And, and, and the cost of rework was massive. And <laughs> we took we didn't bankrupt Nutty yet, but we severely damaged them. <laughs> and we put we put Meadows totally out of business. Huh. Beautiful. So it's Thanks. like you you invented copyright protection in a way, but with the sub <laughs> with the subterfuge, it's perfect. Subterfuge. It was it was measures countermeasures. Yes. <laughs> here's here's where the bad taste came in. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I told our company that we were going to have a champagne party on Meadows front lawn. <laughs> to celebrate their their bankruptcy, and we invited them. We invited the executives of Meadows to come. <laughs> okay, now that's clearly bad taste. <laughs> well, they they did set themselves up with that. That's the way I looked at it. People uh, said that wasn't nice, and I said. Mm, Copying my product wasn't nice, so turned out <laughs> Wow. Oh, classic. Okay, I'm glad you shared that. Thank you, sir. <laughs> I mean, it, <laughs> I, in my dirty, rotten... <laughs> scoundrel. <laughs> scoundrel phase. Yes. I'm really proud of that. <laughs> yes, that's a beauty. I will, yeah. I will say that the guy that does tech, tech work in our shop literally just texted me, no wonder I can't fix the old Atari games. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, the game, if they're, if they're interested, it was Quadrupong. Gotcha. Quadrupong, nice. How come nobody's made a movie about you yet? No, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> they're actually working on it. Uh, oh. Seen the script, yeah. Oh, beautiful. Okay. No, no we... Um, We've had, uh, as you know, we've had Tyler on the show, and then Adam had talked about the business with uh, your daughter Alyssa. Um, you, Adam was talking with Nancy last night. You obviously have a very busy schedule. She's helping to coordinate these things. Uh, your family seems very involved in all of, uh, in not all of these things, but in a number of things. I mean, how many? First of all, how many kids do you have? I have eight children, <clears throat> and. 
three girls, five boys. Mm-hmm. All the boys are involved in some level of the game business. Mm-hmm. Either with Polycade, Brent with Two Bit Circus. Are you acquainted with Two Bit Circus? Yes. Yeah. And then Wyatt with Coin Crew. And Wyatt actually designed three or four of the most highly earning games in Two Bit Circus. And now he's just did a deal with Adrenaline, and he's got a uh, another game coming out, and uh, he he's just knocking down the park. Wow! So it looks like we're gonna have to. We have a lot more uh, Bushnells to interview here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a uh, it's yes. a legacy. Yes. Well. Yeah, I'll tell you a funny thing about family dynamics. None of the kids wanted to get into the game business. <laughs> you know, that was dad's thing. Right. They, but, you know, all of a sudden they realized at the time when, all, when they decided they needed to make some money, that they learned more over at the dinner table and going to trade shows with me and what have you. They knew more about the game business. All of a sudden they said, ah. I can do this. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, actually, Tyler mentioned on our show that you didn't have a 2600 in, in the house. Is that true? I know it's a while back. <laughs> no, I You did? you got to understand that, that my kids on some level hate me. Oh. <laughs> well, not really. But, you know, they'd say, <clears throat> you mean you had the most successful game company and we could have gotten the games before everybody else <laughs> and you sold before I was born <laughs> and then you did Chuck E. Cheese where we could have had all the tokens that we wanted <laughs> and you sold it before we were old enough to know right. you know dad you weren't thinking of us at all <laughs> and so I think that it's probably true that by the time they were of game playing age, we probably moved on to the the, the Nintendo uh, Famicom or or we oh or at the very least the uh, the Sega Genesis. Mm. So what was it? Uh, I mean, so it was kind of funny. Uh, you have these kids who've gone off and done very entrepreneurial things. You mentioned it was over the the dinner table, you know, they learned a lot about this. What was it like watch? I mean, as a father who, who did all of this stuff now watching your kids go off and what's that like watching them learn that entrepreneurial spirit, start their businesses. I mean, did you help in a number of them? Did you kind of let them figure it out on their own? What was your, how did it feel? What did it look like to you? I was a member of YPO and the one thing I noticed with YPO is that the people who were involved in, you know, in their dad's company and they were sort of in the same business, they all had a really crappy relationship with their dad. And so I didn't want to do that. And so what I've done is I told the kids, I'll never invest in your companies. I'll sit on your board. But, uh, but I really want you guys to learn how to raise money because uh, I'm not going to be here all the time. And I want, it, I want you to win so that you can own it yourself. 
It's a little bit like the way I did. I taught all my kids how to play chess. My wife was always after me because I never let them win. And, and she said, well, couldn't you make them feel good? I said, no, I'm not going to depreciate what they feel like when they know they won, they've beaten me fair and square. And, and so two of, my, two of my five boys have beaten me in chess. And they love it. And they just, they just trash talk me till, till the cows come. <laughs> I mean, you made it even better by, by doing it that way, I think. so. I do, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so who beat you in chess? That's the question. Gavin and Tyler. <laughs> we had a, uh, a so in, in my house it was a uh, my father was is the big day was when I um, actually beat him arm wrestling. We didn't have a chess tournament going on. <laughs> well, oh. I have a story on that. Okay, <laughs> I, my oldest son and I decided we were going to wrestle one time when he was probably sixteen and I was forty. I don't know something like that, and. I beat him, but I was sore for the next week. <laughs> and I said, that's the end. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna wrestle my kids ever again. I'm retiring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, so there's a couple um, there, there's a couple questions from the chat that I wanted to give people a chance to get out there. Um, we'll avoid some of them. There's some kind of funny ones here, but um, so uh, one of the guys in the chat asked, what is your favorite non-Atari, uh, non, I guess, non-arcade game venture? I was a big fan of the Vectrex. Do you have one of those? Oh. <laughs> well, yes. we actually have a, a fellow on our chat. His name is, uh, wait, Jason7, right? No, no, no. Arcade no. Jason. Jason. Arcade Cop. Jason, right. So Arcade Jason actually mods the Vectrex now and, and makes the games in color. He puts them into arcade cabinets. Uh, there's wow. a yeah, there's even like people who, you know, create Vectrex uh, replica PCBs. It's a strange little niche of uh, you know, the hobby that has sort of flourished over time. <laughs> well I, I loved my Vectrex. I had all of the the cartridges. I think that uh that's kind of an outlier for me. Totally. Uh, I, I, there were several games on the original Sega Genesis that I loved. Um, I can't think of the names of them right now, but uh, we played a lot of them as a family. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's a particular game that is a massive hit in the Bushnell household. And it's it uses the... Um, uh, the Xbox, and it's just dance. Yes. <laughs> I think that it beats karaoke as something you do when you've had a little too much to drink and there's a bunch of you to laugh at each other. <laughs> and there's another question from the uh, chat. Um, this you may or may not want to answer, but uh, he asked, what do you think was the most inventive or innovative Atari game? I think Tempest. Yeah. I love Tempest. It's How so? It was just weird and yet fun. Yeah. You know? 
I mean, like, how do you come up with that? Like, okay, you're in a strange shape, and things are coming towards you, and you're shooting them, and it's 3D, and they're... It's like, it's. It, I, I don't know, Did the? because I have, like, a, a battle zone and my Tempest next to each other. I know they share the same math hardware. Yeah. And and so it, it's like, well, we did this, so why don't we do this? It's like, it's such it's such a trippy, you know, concept. I love it. It's me too. <laughs> I, I think in terms of weird innovation, that 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 one. Yeah, me. It, it it definitely is one of the neater games. It's funny though because what we find in you don't move them much because if you move them, it's almost guaranteed when you get it from one place to another. Some part of it you're going to have to repair again. Yeah. Because the 6100 monitors, which are <laughs> wonderful when tuned, as soon as they get off a little bit. And then uh, lately, the big problem that we've all been having is that the pokies, which used to be everywhere, are now gone. Yeah. And and they do go bad. There's actually an FPGA replica of the pokey now. Um, because it's becoming harder and harder. A chip that used to be a dollar, you know, a dollar, two dollars for retail is now going, those are going for 30, 35 bucks. Really? For, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now people, the time. <laughs> for a while, people were actually buying ball blazer cartridges whole and pulling the pokies out of them. And then uh, the now, like, you can literally sometimes get centipede boards for cheaper than it costs to buy the pokies. That is fascinating. It's, yeah, I mean, that was, I mean, in, in when you were doing this, that was a commodity product, right? I mean, that was just... Oh, we just have thousands of them on the shelf. This is, you know, a good way to do these functions. Yeah. Well, you know, the the the, the big problem with you know Tempest and, and and any of the vector graphics stuff is you're switching high voltage video rates. And that's really hard, you know. Because when you're switching high voltage, you know, tens of thousands of volts at megahertz. The world doesn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the world is yeah. a harsh place. Yeah. The, one, of the, one of the kind of fun things that, uh, so, you know, people have gone in and done these different multi-games or different modifications to uh, Tempest. One of my favorite ones is done by uh, Clay, who created Vector Breakout in Tempest. And um, so you can you know switch to Tempest, Tempest Tubes. Then he also has this vector breakout version that plays on there. But uh, it was funny because I've talked to him a couple times about I have I have a cocktail Tempest at my house, and how much fun would this be to have two people playing at the same time? Oh, that's a great idea. And I don't have the capacity to figure that out, but I think it would just be awesome. And the question is 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 there enough hard is the hardware adequate to do that? But uh, it would be a neat, a really neat game to have two people with two different colored kind of uh, uh, men rotating around the top where you play team play. The, the hardware is definitely able to do that. You know, um, I don't think we were stretching the compute power at all. Huh. Because that would be, to me, that would be just, uh, uh, that would make the cocktail Tempest just a, another level up. I mean, it's already a wonderful machine as it is. I like playing the. I have this weird fascination with cocktails, even though they take up too much space. But that would really make it a neat interactive game with two people playing that. Well, you know the the one that I want to get my hands on in a cocktail version was X's and O's football. Yes, that was, ah. that's the game that I just loved the pieces out of. And, <laughs> uh, and Adam 
<laughs> Go ahead. I'm fine. But anyway, um, and you know, if I were, if and and I am, I'm, <laughs> here's an interesting thing about having family in the game business. I'm lobbying Wyatt, my youngest son, who has the coin-operated game business, and said, do a redo of X's and O's football, but using today's monitors and today's technology and uh, have a section where we can... And, and what, I'd, what I'd like to be able to do... Have you guys all played X's and O's football? Oh, yeah. Adam, oh, yeah. Adam owns one. He, he even customized the trackballs on his. Sure. So imagine that you could at home on your PC construct a play that you could now download onto the machine so that it's one of the, the offensive or defensive plays that you could play, that you could work. Yeah, that'd be cool. And then we have a whole big, you know, eSports tournament on Nexus Nose football. Yes. So you actually have your own custom playbook. Exactly. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. Yeah, you know what would? You know what's funny is like taking modern technology, the Androbot. Wouldn't it be weird to take Alexa and all of the knowledge and put it into an Androbot and sort of make it aware? Because I feel like Alexa, you know, a lot of it is scripting, and Androbot was mostly scripting, and so it feels like a natural marriage that just hasn't happened. Like, why is Alexa just sitting there and it can't move? Well, you know. You're you're 100 percent right, and uh, you know my the people at my company always say that uh, that ships leak from the top. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hold still for Christmas next year. Yes. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, I love getting older. Technology just keeps getting cooler. It's so great. Well, and there's the ability to pick it up. <laughs> yeah, that is true. So, I mean, you said what you uh, thought your most, uh, what you thought the most interesting or innovative game was. Is there, I don't know if Tempest is your favorite game to play. I mean, you mentioned the Xbox, but like, is there another arcade game that you enjoy just, if you see it, you just have to go try it out or play it or you enjoy hopping on it? Probably Centipede. Oh, yeah. Interesting. I like it a lot. Somehow, it, it, it's always fascinating. You know, it's 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 an interesting. The way I play centipedes is three or four different strategies, and I feel like none of them are really very good. Mm-hmm. So I'm constantly trying to look for that killer strategy, and it keeps elusive. And elusiveness keeps my interest. Nice. I, I actually haven't figured out how Billy Mitchell plays Centipede, but he has something where he loads the game up on a certain in a certain way. And have you ever have you ever gotten to see what he does for that? No. Billy Mitchell. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I've always liked Centipede because I always felt happy that Donna Bailey had a lot to do with it. Sort of the first female game designer. Yep. Yeah. Classic. She doesn't get as much credit for it as I think she should. That's just my own opinion. I agree. I agree. Uh, so, um, 
can you share? So you've, you've done an amazing number of things. And I mean, you obviously have this family that's going on and, and as you said, a legacy doing amazing things. What do you think our listeners are going to want to know? I and mean, you've given some amazing insight. What are some of the most rewarding aspects of this amazing journey you've been on? Um, you've just seen an incredible evolution of everything. And you've been such a central part of many parts of it. What are the things that you look at and say, you know, this was the most rewarding, this was the most amazing? Oh, my family. It's very easy. You know, I, I think that, that having a family that is it's cohesive, for example, mm-hmm. almost everybody comes over for Sunday dinner almost every weekend, and we play games, drink too much, and have a great meal. My wife likes to cook twenty people, and as as my kids have children and significant others and in laws, regularly on 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 a Sunday night we have twenty two people around the table. Mm-hmm. And we have this wonderful pergola in the backyard. It looks like we're in the Italian, you know, farmhouse, and uh, and and it's just great fun. And we play board games. And uh, and we and and that's been actually quite instructive for me in my developing uh, Echo board games. Mm. So there's a, a comment in the chat, a very uh, nice compliment. Uh, somebody kind of joking around. He's like the most interesting man in the world, but he's real. Uh, <laughs> coming out from Andy Baldwin. I agree. <laughs> I resent that. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Well, you know, there's thing. There was a long time when I wanted to be known as crazy like a box. You know, kind of off the reservation a little bit, but you never knew what to do. Ever since I met John McAfee, I decided I don't want to be that person. Oh, Oh, John. Yeah, he's out there. So, so that was that was after you had the champagne uh, on uh, Meadow's lawn, right? <laughs> oh man! <laughs> Yet another good scene for a movie. Um. Ah, <laughs> uh, but it, hey, is, is it true that Atari had planned an internet-like network under your watch? Yeah. Interesting. I mean, obviously yeah. it, that didn't happen, but yeah, I know there were BBSs and things like that during the '80s, and I actually ran a BBS in the '80s. But you know, can you can you tell us anything about that, or is that just oh yeah concept? I mean, we we had a plan. <laughs> to okay. Tell you how how late we were. We oh. were actually do a game network using the twenty six hundred. And we had a modem that would plug in the ports. And the idea is you'd have to both have the same cartridge, and we'd just transmit, you know, joystick moves to each each player. And uh, the structure was that we'd have a uh, closet full of modems in every area code, because you could make a, in those days, anything out of your area code was long distance. Right. And... Uh, <clears throat> And then we'd link the clauses together with T1 lines. So, and, and literally, the protocol we had was almost identical to the current IP stack for, for the internet. We didn't 
we didn't have as many address bits, but it was there. It was virtually identical. And then uh, this this will get a, you'll get a kick out of this. Uh-huh. <laughs> we had a discussion as to whether people would want to communicate through typing. <laughs> so, what, who was the proponent? Like people love typing and people hate typing. <laughs> well, you know, we, we said, well, you know, it, it would be nice if they could communicate. We didn't have the bandwidth to do voice. Right. We talked a little bit about, you know, doing maybe a a, a small voice clip and compressing it and then expanding it on the other end. Wow. But we decided that typing was was the right thing. But, you know, we said, nobody types. (laughs) (laughs) Whoops. (laughs) Whoops. I mean, you know, it's one of those things where when you're a pioneer, you almost always get things wrong. (laughs) Yep. And I think one of the... To, 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 we have the fastest modems in the world because of that, with low latency. And 100% of the technology, do you remember a company called U.S. Robotics? Oh, yes, absolutely. They, they made the fastest modems. I, 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 had were, a, I had a lowly haze modem. Yeah, well, U.S. Robotics bought all the IP from, Atari, from Warner, from, from Atari. Okay. So... That was the process, and you know when they shut the program down, they said, "What do we need these modems things for?" Hmm. <laughs> I could, I could, I, you know, there's a whole podcast that we we would label stupid things that that Warner did to Atari. Ah, uh, Warner. <laughs> they constantly do stupid. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's amazing seeing how that company has gone from owner to owner, and it's just constant. It's a comical comical thing um hey you know what speaking of them actually you've said you've been, you're a big fan of science fiction in other interviews has, has science fiction inter- influenced any of your business ideas or oh, absolutely yes yeah well understand what science fiction does <laughs> okay it lubricates your mind for the future okay gives you ideas and and when you're a science fiction author you can invent stuff without the underlying technology being rational or appropriate. Right. But that doesn't mean that it will always be inappropriate or, or too expensive or too crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, like science fiction's talked about the Ansible for a long time. And the Ansible is basically quantum entanglement, uh, you know. And pretty soon you, you get the whole idea that quantum entanglement actually could create an Ansible. And so, you know, some of the things that, that are speculated. My, my current, my absolute favorite science fiction s- series around is one called Hyperion by Dan Simmons. Okay. A lot of people haven't read it, and I can't believe it because it's like number one or number two on my all-time favorite books. Okay, so... Making an order now. Alexa, buy Hyperion. <laughs> oh, wait. Computer, Computer, buy Hyperion by Dan Simmons. <laughs> oh, it's off. Oh, well. I, I, should, I should warn you. Yeah? The two of my sons have tried to do it, and it's, it's what I call a conceptually thick book. 
Okay. And so um, they couldn't get into it. And, and it, it baffles me, but uh, I just want to put that in as a warning that okay. you maybe have to be diligent. I think that that's a good... <laughs> I'm, I'm confused why my computer by Dan Simmons by Hyperion. Oh, I guess I did it. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> I have it set to short reply, so there you go. <laughs> well, I, I think that... Uh, do we have any more questions from the chat? Because I'm looking in here. Did Jason uh, have something? Actually, Jason's, there were... Yeah. J- Jason's got a couple. There were a couple of questions here. Um, there's a lot of new systems coming out, these new like multi-game systems that are kind of taking a bunch of... Atari games and putting them on a, a retro console. They, somebody asked if you had any thoughts on on those systems. If you enjoy seeing them, if it's a little, you know, uh, how do you feel about seeing those come out? Do you like to see that stuff? Do you feel like it's kind of taking away from the original? No, I'd love to see them, except for one thing. Okay. Yep. Everyone that I've played, they get the user interface timing wrong. There's a little. There's just milliseconds of of lag that wasn't there in the regular unit yep. and, and the user interface is clunky and that ruins it uh, for me like just a little bit of lag um, on on the pot of the pong yep bad oh and, yeah yeah <laughs> so those are things that irritate me if they get it right love them you know We've we've talked about this on previous shows, but one of the things um, there's these new arcade one-up cabinets, which are interesting because they've turned a lot of attention back to arcade cabinets, which is something a lot of us love. But at the same time, uh, I, I've sat down to play those a few times, and the control interfaces on them—I mean, like the the spinner on the on the Major Havoc version one—is just uh, it's painful. And there's no point oh. in playing the game. No, it's not just painful. It's wrong. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's well, and it, it literally is like clicking a switch inside, <clears throat> as opposed to a, you know, a, a, essentially like a, I mean, I know the original ones clicked as it was an optical sensor, but it, the whole feel is just terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and what a lot of people don't realize, one of the reasons that retro games were so important is that we had crappy sound. We had crappy graphics. The only thing we could do is really focus on timing and stress and user interface. And so we really polished those to a very high degree. And a lot of the game designers right now don't understand. They think that they can go into Unity and, and knock these games out in an, in an afternoon mm-hmm. and not realizing that, that they're missing significant part of the essence of what the games what made the games so wonderful to play there was a comment a few episodes ago i can't remember who made it mark will probably correct me but somebody said that you know part of the experience of like playing a game like berserk was actually having this joystick that made it hard to play the game and as soon as you put it on to you put a nice joystick on the game it's a very easy game and so the the idea that there was a, a an interaction and I think you're talking about the lag and the, the timing, but not just that, but also with the controls and how the controls were actually a part of what was presented. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so, that, that could have been Aaron Fector from Rockafire Explosion. Not 100% sure. 
Are, are you familiar with Aaron? I mean, obviously, you yeah. must have crossed paths. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> A number of interesting stories there, some of them yeah. involving fires. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Aaron's a good guy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, we were competitors, kind of, but, you know, I, you know, I, I always felt that, um, that rocket fire by doing hydraulics instead of pneumatics always had a serviceability issue. And Chuck E. Cheese was all pneumatics. Right. Pneumatics, in reality, was kind of shitty. You know, it was bang, bang, plotting <laughs> the streets, it's all that sort of stuff. But man, those things work forever. Yes. <laughs> uh, another question from the chat, and I think you've kind of answered this, but I, I know people like having their questions answered because it's kind of fun for them to, you, you have to understand that one of the things that was actually commented on earlier was just how amazing it is that you are having this interaction. Because a lot of the people that are here in the chat and talking about this really are fascinated with kind of what you've been through and, and the candidness with what you're talking is really kind of a treat for us to have. So thank you. Um, one of the questions from Andy in the chat was, uh, how involved were you in game development from 72 to 79? Were you more business? Were you more game? Where did you fit into that picture? I think that um, in game design, I was heavily involved 73, 74, 75. 76, the company was big enough that it was almost chewing up all, you know, it. one of the problems with being a CEO is the press wants to talk to you. Your distributors want to talk to you. You, you have to make a pilgrimage to Europe and to Asia twice a year. And all of a sudden, the, the hours in the day, and if you want to maintain any kind of a family life, um, something has to give, and and game design probably took a back seat to what I was doing. Though I kept my hand in it, but it's a funny thing about game design is that you get the best outcome if the game articulator is also the game idea person. They love to work on their own games not so interested in working on your games or my games. Gotcha. So the, the, uh, the person develop, like presenting the idea, letting them run with that. And the, uh, the other question that came up, which actually kind of dovetails into that, uh, somebody asked, they just said they just sold two Food Fights uh, joysticks and was amazed at the whole concept of them. How much freedom did the developers have in like using these really expensive or creative controls? Like, did you just kind of how did that work? You know, I mean, I, I have a, uh, <clears throat> you know, a number of games where I look at the controllers and there's nothing else in the world like them. What was the approach to that? Good controllers were worth the money. And we never skimped on that at all. And if a designer wanted it, this is the coin upside. Right. If, if, the, if the developer wanted that thing, it, in comparison, the ratio to the cost of the whole machine is de minimis. So at that, I'll, I'll ask, what is your favorite controller that you've... So it is a game, Tempest, but is there a controller that stands out as you thinking, like, this was really an innovative thing that somebody came up with and presented? Well, I remember that uh, 
the first video coin-op game with the trackball was interesting to me. I think the weighted um, chop, you know, chop for Tempest was interesting to me. Somehow that the weight of the of the spinner was was really fun. Um, that's about it. Oh, <laughs> steering wheels. Well, we'll talk about the uh, tale of woe. Um, steering wheels were really, really early on a real problem because Godzilla plays video games and you give them enough leverage and they can break anything. <laughs> right. <laughs> and steering wheels were that in spades, just you know, keeping them going. So, somebody brought up the uh, early um, uh, ads for Gotcha. Oh, yeah. <laughs> is there a story behind that one? I know we know the ending of the story, but is there an earlier story behind that one? You know, it was it was a thing where we thought that Gotcha was a big joke, kind of. And it wasn't a very good game in, in reality, but it was something we could do easily. I think we designed the whole damn board in, in less than a week. And we just needed to do something. And the whole idea of having the, instead of the joysticks, having the joy boobs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <probably> bad idea. <laughs> um, and so the, the actually one of the questions came up here, kind of tying into all this. What do you think about some of the uh, modern arcade games? And do you think that they get a little stuck inside the box when it comes to controls. So, I mean, a lot of the modern games stick to just kind of buttons, joysticks. Um, obviously, there's series that continue on, some of the fighting games, but outside of the fighting games, do you think they get too stuck inside the box, or what's your opinion on those? I actually don't have an opinion on it. I think it's, you know, the games seem to be appropriate for what they're doing. I don't yep. see any real... I've always felt that there was the, the, the idea of a user interface in which you don't touch anything, where you're basically waving your hands in free space would be interesting. And I've seen a couple of attempts on that, but I've never seen a good patch <clears throat> to it. That doesn't mean there isn't, but I think that the whole idea of a non-tactile interface would be cool. I think one of the things I've gotten to do, which has been kind of fun, is I've been over to Japan a couple of times and been through the arcades there. And they really do have some stuff with the card games and other things uh, with these interactive card and screen games in the arcades. Um, and some of them using more, you're holding a stick, but it's like a virtual reality with a screen. And yeah. they do stretch it a little bit over there and, and how they present things. It's been a blast to go over. I've been over about two or three times. That's always fascinating. It's never the same. And everything kind of evolves very quickly. Agreed. There was a, a quick question more of a technical question from uh, uh, Jason, uh, who came up before. He asked how the maze was generated in Gotcha. Was it a recycled Pong score circuit? Yes, it was. Good, good <laughs> catch. <laughs> good catch. <laughs> this is the same guy who created the color Vectrex. So yes, <laughs> he knows. He has some insight. <laughs> he knows of which he speaks. Yes, he does. Oh, and it was funny. He he's also actually created a color version of asteroids as well. He's he's constantly finding ways to take the you know look at what the way the data is conveyed 
on the the PCB and sort of hanging other bits into it so that color, for example, can be sent across. It's it's pretty interesting as far as uh, taking some of that uh, traditional classic uh, programming and twisting it a little bit on its head. Yeah. Well, no, that's that's what we do now, <laughs> as we should. Yes. It's really one of the neat things is to see some of these people who are very creative, like inventing new ways of kind of keeping the classic feel and the classic play, but introducing just new aspects to it. Um, there was one more question that I'll, I'll ask here. Um, the situation of the Bradley trainer, which would become Battlezone uh, for the U.S. Army, uh, was that as stressful on the developers as it was rumored to be? I don't I don't have any personal knowledge on that. Right. Okay. Well, I think that uh, uh, we are kind of coming to the end of uh, our time here. I know we asked you for an hour, and you've been extremely generous with an hour and a half, and it's been an amazing uh, time with you. I can't uh, can't tell you how much we appreciate it. Uh, the chatters are, uh, you know, here, and uh, the the comments are are many praise, and it just goes on and on. It's it's people are extremely excited about this jason's response to your answer is haha i knew it um and so i think <laughs> the insight has been really incredible thank you well thank you and i just you know I, i've got to do a, a, a advertisement here you've got yes, to go please. out a oh, plug is plug away noir and yes. have a lot of fun and next year think of echo as dungeon master mm. Oh. oh, yes, oh. yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I was just watching Stranger Things episode one again last night and thinking, I remember this these days. I don't know if you've seen that, Nolan, but uh, that starts off with the kids playing Dungeons and Dragons. And I mean, I was some fond memories there. Well, there's one more. Have you guys played Mafia or Werewolf? Hmm. I played Mafia. <laughs> The party game, you know, six or eight people. And yes. Now, think about it. It's a really fun game when there are eight or nine people. Not fun at all when there's four. <laughs> yeah, you need more. You need more. So imagine, if you would, that now we can set up four or five synthetic players of the game that are acted by Echo. Oh. I just want to be your test site. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we're, we're, <laughs> hey uh, we can do that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is like, I, so, so it's funny because I, I am a physician now, but before this I was an engineer. And one of the things I loved about engineering was getting together with people who had amazing ideas and just talking about them all the time. And you don't do that as much in medicine. Medicine's much more like you fix them the same way every time. There yeah. are some complications. And there, are, and that's where I have a lot of fun. But at the same time, it's it's a different feel. And and I mean, you're just throwing these ideas out. Is uh, I mean, it's an amazing throwback to these years that I I loved of my career. Well, you know, I I'm actually doing the deep dive on Arduino nanos right now. Have you guys played with those things yet? Oh yeah, I have. I actually made a um, light control system for uh, fight sticks that uses uh, an Arduino controller system. Mm -hmm. I just love the fact that they're cheap and that you get all these libraries and sensors and, and all that. I mean, you know, you can spend 50 bucks and do something that costs 
thousands of dollars back in the olden days. Oh yeah. <laughs> and and it's and they really are I mean the the limitation is really your imagination. I mean what can you come up with because it just goes on and on and then the permutations and combinations is unbelievable. We live no. in such wonderful worlds for the inventor. And let me let me tell you another deep dive I've done. As you you know, I'm 76 and I want to get older, yes, but I yes. don't want to get dumber. <laughs> okay? So I did a deep dive on neurogenesis. How do you keep an active mind? How do you keep a cogent mind? How do you keep sharp? Yep. And it turns out that doing different things that are outside of your wheelhouse are very important. Um, foreign travel, as a peasant, is very <laughs> neurogenic. Um Learning a new skill, learning a new language, learning how to play a new instrument. These are very neurogenic things. Different is the key. Now, here's the other funny thing about it. When you are working on a new project, it turns out that you're happy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And so, so I think that if I were a psychiatrist and I had somebody who was depressed, I'd say, go learn how to program a, an Arduino. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think one of the things, uh, as, as a, an arcade enthusiast, I can say what brings me joy is acquiring new projects, but then I have that backside of getting to all of them. <laughs> that's, that's what I call project guilt. <laughs> Well, it's funny to me is I, I don't have a lot of guilt as long as I have the space, but my wife seems to carry the guilt for me and say, do we really need all of these projects here? And I say, but they bring me joy. <laughs> you know, that that is one of the things about married life that I I can tell you I haven't figured it out. <laughs> for example, my wife thinks that I have a surreptitious relationship with Alexa <laughs> because Alexa doesn't necessarily respond to her as well as she does to me. She thinks that's odd. Yeah. <laughs> Alexa ignores my wife sometimes. <laughs> exactly. Yes. That may be that may be some inherent programming. Maybe there's a giant psychological experiment going on with all of us. Yeah. And Amazon is saying, like, what if we did this and made it only pay attention to one person in the household? <laughs> what you know, I, I've been I've been climbing into new wake words, um, and it turns out that wake words are very complex because you want them to be easily pronounceable, but you don't want to have false positives with ambient, normal conversation, TV, what have you. Yep. And, uh, and it turns out that when you have a voice in a slightly lower register, there's actually more data than a higher pitched voice. Ah, that's... <laughs> Why? What is the... What's the... I mean, because a higher voice would have a higher frequency, so you'd think you'd have more data points. So why? Yeah. But, but it turns out that it's not. And, and I think it has a better match 
with the, the oral, because remember that as you lose hearing, you lose it at the high end. Yeah. And yeah. So, so most of the TV announcers, most of the radio announcers are, are male because of the, the, they're more understandable. Mm -hmm. There's a subtle stress when you listen to a woman, even a contralto. Yep. Huh. So I think that's actually behind the lack of response on part of women versus men. That that's interesting. I hadn't thought of that as the. Huh. So I can I can just. That's a postulate. I I, I can't say that you know. So Right. So we can have the women smoke extensively and then see if the reaction changes. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Nina Blackwood, let's bring her in. <laughs> you know, she's one of the original MTV VJs. She's a great, she's great. A little bit lower voice. Okay, guys, I'm running. All right. So we're going to wrap up the show today. Let's uh, go ahead and read our end of the show uh, messages. And uh, Adam... Are you going to start? Oh, sure. Uh, where? What am I doing? We're, uh, we're, we're ending? We're, we're going to like... We're light, doing the um, outro. Yeah, we're doing the outro. Nolan is ready to leave. Oh, that's <laughs> so sad. <It's> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Nolan, I hope we can have you on again in the next three years. Uh, it's been enlightening and uh, and uh, engaging. And, uh, you know, you're, you're a great interviewer. I appreciate your patience with us. <sighs> Well, and I will tell you that every time I introduce a new game, I'll come back on and be a unapologetic promoter. Perfect. Could you just yeah. do that once a year? That would be good for us. <laughs> <laughs> We'd love to have you. Yes. Be good, guys. All right. So, <laughs> this, is, this is where we sign off, right? Yes. This yep. is it. Oh, my gosh. So much going on. <laughs> Did you guys hear any music? Yes, you I do. hear it. It sounds beautiful. Oh. All right. So, um, yes. yeah, it's been a fantastic it's interview. Fantastic. It has been. Uh, all right. So, it's the best interview ever. Yeah. Mark, let's just alternate them. Thanks again for listening to the Double R's. That's Arcade Radio. Like us at Facebook slash Arcade Radio or check our semi-regularly updated blog at ArcadeRadio.com. Call and leave comments on the questions. Go ahead. Call and leave us comments or questions on the game line. 612-548-GAME. That's 4263. Or you can subscribe to us on YouTube channel and click out. Uh, you got to click that little no notification bell. So every time we come on, you just get it. You just know we're there. Right? Subscribe to our podcast, Anchor FM, iTunes, Google Music, Player, almost anything that makes a podcast. Right. <laughs> That's going to be it for the show from Arcade Radio Team. We hope you had a great time. We had a wonderful time. We're signing off, and we'll see you next season. Next season. It's, a, it's like six weeks away. That's right. All right. Thanks, Nolan. You're the best ever. Thank you, Nolan. Thank you. Right. Cheers. Cheers. Somebody wrote this music.
<laughs> and now for the pants. Hey guys, thank you.